0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the icing on top with Savannah. I first of all want to say Merry Christmas. I know it's not ideal for me to be recording on holidays. However, that has really been the only time where I've had a large chunk of free time. And I guess what better way to spend my time than recording a podcast, right? So I wanted to also say Thanks to everyone uh, for the outpouring of love and support after the last episode dropped. I got a ton of message uh, messages on Facebook asking for more and saying how relatable the situations in my life were. So I just want to like preface that by saying um, that everybody is fighting a battle that we know nothing about and small kind remarks or um, even a simple smile can literally change someone's day. I heard from people who I went to high school with that, like, weren't actually very nice to me in high school. Um, Or maybe that was just like situational, like things that had happened and they just came off as maybe, you know, not very friendly or clicky or uh, I think the thing about, you know, that is that you have to take everything with a grain of salt. So even though uh, somebody may, you know, be really shitty to us in high school, like, and I live in a small town and, you know, it just happens. Like, you know, your parents hear about something you did before you even get home from the football game. So, uh, just, just treat everybody with kindness and just know that if you relate to any part of my story and you feel the need to, you know, reach out to me, um, my heart is with you because it's hard. And for so long, we have just as a society not talked about things and that's become normal. And that to me is very sad. So, uh, a couple of other things I heard, um, were thanks for the trigger warning and, um, how I needed to make some addendums to the stories that I told, um, which may be true because, you know, I obviously blank out in some parts and forget, you know, certain parts of the stories and, um, obviously that is a trauma response. Uh, so that's, you know, my point. Um, there's always going to be, I always jokingly say like, there's three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. And, um, it's not because I'm trying to tell like some lie, but that is honestly just how I like recollect the situation. Um, and because I block it out and again, inner trauma response. So I will add that, I feel like I left um, a whole lot um, of my story out and in between each of those stories there are multiple um, other stories that occurred like the time I found my half-sister on MySpace and my dad getting engaged only to find out about it on Facebook. And so on that note we can feature missing events on additional episodes and if there's something that you feel like I left out that a very important part of my story, please reach out to me and I can go ahead and start working on that episode next. So continuing on with my story, one part that I did slightly pass over, and actually I just was talking about it this week at work. Um, but after I graduated high school, I had gone for my yearly GYN appointment and my nurse practitioner had felt some enlargement, um, to my thyroid. And of course she was, you know, like they feel your neck and she's like, oh, like your thyroid's enlarged. And I'm like, what, well, what the hell is a thyroid? Um, at 18, I have absolutely no idea what a thyroid was or did or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so I started all of the follow-ups for that. She just said, you know, basically you should follow up with your family doctor. And so I did. And my family doctor sent me to um, an endocrinologist in Fort Wayne who he did a couple of FNAs and determined that my thyroid levels were normal. And I also had a couple of ultrasounds and I even saw an ENT down in Southern Indiana um, because at that time I was living, you know, commuting back and forth. So um, that appointment was actually one of the worst appointments of my life. He was really just like crass and like not super um, comforting and just – kind of like, I would have been maybe 19 at the time for that appointment. And I just remember feeling so scared. Like I have two nodules in my thigh, on my right lobe of my thyroid. And you know, I don't know why they're there or what's happening. And I feel like I just had a lot of questions and he basically just dismissed me. Like there was absolutely no reason, you know, for me to be there or me to be seeing him or anything like that. So I, I think I cried on the way home from that appointment. Um, and he, I don't know if it was him, but they had did they done they did a biopsy down um in southern Indiana as well. And I followed back up with an ENT here, and it was kind of shown to just be like at a standstill. So they were doing like ultrasounds to make sure that there was no additional growth. Um, and I think their maybe their plan maybe was to do another biopsy. I'm not really sure. Um the biopsies I had had come back normal and obviously all of my levels were fine too. I want to also say here like I was dealing with obviously a lot of stress right because my boyfriend um at the time you know that's when he was in prison um or like actually like maybe just gotten home from prison. I'm trying to think about what timeline this was. Um but so I was dealing with like it was stress, obviously, right? But I also was like, I had gained weight after high school. Um, I had I lose hair, like curly hair, I lose so much hair. And I was like cold intolerant, right? Like I am always cold, um, always freezing and like super dry skin. It was basically like you would go down the hypothyroid um, list and I would have all of those symptoms. So I was like, Oh yeah, like this is what's wrong with me. Like inner hypochondriac, actually not true. I don't think I'm hypochondriac. However, I felt like those symptoms were very relatable. Um, were very relatable to me and my situation at the time. So, um, everything was kind of just like, I don't want to say noted to be like normal, but like they were monitoring the growth of the nodules. So like if the nodules continue, like if they were growing, then they would do something about it. However, it was shown to be like, um, benign and not worrisome or anything like that. I could swallow, I could breathe nothing, you know, there were no issues as far as that goes. So, um, my grandma, Actually has um, Hashimoto's and my uncle has Graves. And so my grandma has always seen an endocrinologist in Indy and he um, obviously was like super hard to get into, everything like that. But I was able to get into him and I followed up with him originally because I kind of just like couldn't really like catch my breath at night, like when I would lay flat to go to bed. And it was almost like I had to be like, okay, Savannah, take a breath, like, okay, like remind yourself to breathe. And I'm like, okay, this is like really like kind of freaking me out, like scary. So, um, it was like causing, like, I don't really know if that was the first time I ever dealt with anxiety, but like, I definitely felt like maybe like somebody had their hand around my throat and like, I could not breathe. So I reached out to him and he, um, addressed my concerns and decided that if it was causing pressure on my trachea that it would be better to take it out. So this was done in like September, October of 2016. And I had gone down to Indy um, like that day. It was taken out and I stayed overnight just to monitor for like bleeding, um, any issues. And I got to come home the next day. And the recovery is pretty easy. Um, Honestly, the worst part was that I obviously was like intubated. And um I remember (laughs) this is so gross, but like I was sore, obviously, and I had never had any like major surgery. So this was like really this is kind of scary for me. Um, but I was like I remember coughing up like the scabs from the tube, like from where it had scratched my like scratched my throat and from where they had burned obviously the half of that thyroid off. Um so they obviously sent that like to pathology, and lo and behold, would you believe it, that there were two types of cancer. Um, one that they call a nymph, and not like a nymphomaniac, guys, like a nymph. <laughs> um, and, but it stands for non-invasive follicular neoplasm. And then there also was a follicular papillary variant, and um, both types were actually entirely encapsulated and they there were studies done or are have studies that have been done that show that if the cancer is like completely encapsulated to not administer the radioactive iodine because when it comes to it basically you are causing issues later in life so it increases the risk of breast cancer and increases the risk of any type of cancer, basically, and obviously, you have health issues from that because you're basically killing off the other part of your thyroid, so since my thyroid was never out of whack number-wise, I was treated um, with levothyroxine, and I'm going to be really honest, I got bad about taking that when I um, when I was nursing Conrad, so um, I did really good about taking that, and I had to follow up every six months at first, but now I'm at the point where I follow up every year. So, um they say if you are going to have any type of cancer, that you want it to be um thyroid cancer. That's at least what they had told me. So, yeah. That is that story in a nutshell. So, additionally in the fall of 2016, I um passed my LPN boards and I left my job as a bank teller to work in a local nursing home second shift. I always said I would never work in a nursing home, but it was a substantial increase in pay, and I knew I could learn valuable skills before continuing on to get my RN degree. I always said in my LPN classes that I wanted to work in women's care, Um, so I just always kind of had that dream in the back of my mind, and so seconds was actually a really hard – Transition for me coming from working days around the general public and having conversations all day, every day at the bank and switching to seconds in a nursing home was like silence of the lambs. (laughs) Okay, not really, but it was super quiet after 7 p.m. Typically, my schedule wasn't meshing with my boyfriends and I wasn't loving it. Uh, So I decided to search for a day shift job and I found one at a local nursing home also in the same town and worked on a rehab unit. I actually really loved it. I got to see some really interesting stuff, um, like wounds. Um, I did get some like different, um, surgery rehab things that had been done or like IV antibiotics. Um, unfortunately Even on the rehab unit, you know, there were still people that, you know, maybe had come for rehab and then maybe their care, um, changed, uh, kind of went a different path than maybe what they had originally planned on. And they maybe, um, looked more into like end of life care. Uh, so that obviously I was, you know, starting to be more exposed to death, um, working in nursing homes, obviously long-term care that happens. Um, that's end of life care for you guys. Um, and it was hard, but at the same time I did learn a lot. So when I was working on the rehab unit, I did love it. I was able to work 12 hour shifts, which is great. I learned a lot and I saw a ton. Uh, a lot of people would say, Oh, I could never work in a nursing home. It's so depress- depressing, depressing. And let me tell you, yes, you're right. Uh, It is. However, it also becomes your home, um, your home away from home. And those residents depend on you. And you are their family, especially uh, the ones who don't have any children or any family living close by. So interjection, remember um, that the elderly at holidays um, love to see their family. And please make trips to see them or send them a card. Oh, my God. They love that. Um, and as a staff, we always loved like seeing their families come in and I mean, usually they'll bring like a really good cookie tray, but that's besides the point. Like they, they're, the residents, honestly, it just, they just love it. Um, the only time that I feel like not that it causes issues, but like it causes confusion, obviously for the people that have dementia, because it's like they're thrown off or they absolutely don't remember who these people are. And then their family is completely heartbroken. So... Uh, you please just remember that. Yes. (laughs) Um, send a bulk package of Christmas cards, like have your kid, you know, fill out all these Christmas cards and color on them and put stickers and they would love that. Um, anything, I promise you, they will appreciate it. Uh, the same with like Halloween costumes, like call your local nursing home and see like, Hey, like, can we bring a group of kids in like for this or that? They would absolutely probably love it. And their activities, people would love to be able to just offer that to their residents too. So Uh, as far as my relationship went that I, um, was in, uh, one of the things that I really did respect about him was that he had some past trauma and baggage and was super upfront about it on our first date. So that was kind of like here, this is what I've been through. This is what I've done. And, uh, I know that if I don't tell you about it, like I, you'll hear it from somebody else. So, uh, let me tell you, uh, unpacking your bags in front of someone is so scary, but especially on the first date. And I really did appreciate this a lot because of the small town we lived in. And I surely would have heard that from someone else when they found out that I had gone on a date with him. Unfortunately, that is how this small town works. And most small town works, small, small town towns work whoo sorry um there was an age gap but i didn't seem to notice it and we were pretty good um there were like some issues um maybe like drinking wise and just like some other things that you know i had maybe mentioned or we had talked about and maybe I thought we were going to be taken seriously, um, but weren't. And so there, you know, there were some issues obviously between us. And in 2017, I chose to address when I was on vacation in Florida and I probably was very crass and not extremely tactful in my way of handling that situation. And I made the decision to reach out to an old flame in Florida and hooked up and came back home. And when I left the airport, um, the drive home was so somber and we barely spoke a word. I knew I had done a terrible thing and I couldn't bring myself to fess up. So the only person I told about this was one of my closest friends, friends, (coughs) closest and oldest friends. I expressed my unhappiness and what needed to change in our relationship. And during this time, my great grandma was battling pneumonia after a series of mini strokes and she had been battling dementia for years and had begun to get to the point of not communicating, just nodding and smiling. I worked in the nursing home that she lived in. So when she got to the point of not getting out of bed and getting weaker and requiring hospice care, I would work my shifts and then spend the next few hours by her side My grandma and my great-aunts were also present at her bedside, and I was so very lucky to have my great-grandma still at 24 years. Having a family member actively passing and being the only nurse in your family is pure torture. The modeling had to be explained and the apnea, the death rattle. I had to break my own family's heart by trying to explain the normal processes of death. I remember I was scheduled to work that weekend, and my period was a little late, which had been happening for the last few months. Probably stress related is what I would chalk it up to. Uh, I had a few pregnancy tests in the drawer and had decided, what the hell? Like, just do it to give yourself peace of mind. Um, my boyfriend at the time had gone to grab McDonald's because I was so tired. Uh, I remember I peed on the stick, turned it over, and checked it three minutes later, like the patch- packaging insert says. Only to find that that sucker lit up like a damn Christmas tree with two lines. And that was the last test I had. I was shaking. I was sick to my stomach. I called my friend and I told her and she was like, what? Take another test. So when he got home, I had shoved the test in my back pocket and walked out and said, uh, how does having a baby sound? Probably not how I should have approached the whole situation looking back knowing he couldn't be the dad. I remember the look of shock on his face and the unwavering in my voice as I repeated myself. He looked at the test and asked if I hadn't taken any more and he went to the drugstore to grab more. To test again. Pete on the second stick, positive. I was in pure shock, disbelief, and I immediately felt this overwhelming guilt like a pit in my stomach and constant lump in my throat. I knew I was gonna have to make a dreaded phone call to try to figure out what on earth I was going to do. So, onto the working weekend, my great grandma was rapidly declining. I was struggling with losing her and her not meeting my baby someday. My great grandma passed away three days after I found out I was pregnant. There was a moment of silence when we were alone. And I held her hand tight and whispered to her, you're going to be a great, great grandma. I know she heard me, and I know that she left me him. And I thank God every day for that. Um, I made the dreaded phone call that Monday after attempting to message him over the weekend with no response. I called from a Walmart parking lot, and it was a very awkward conversation. Hey, how's it going? "Uh, I'm pregnant. Their response? Does he think it's his? Yep. Well, I can't have this right now. I have a nine-month-old. Holy shit, this was not supposed to happen. Did he think I asked for this? There was protection and even further precautions taken. I'll send you money for an abortion. No, I'm not doing that. Well, then I don't want to hear from you for 18 years. And my response? Then I don't expect to hear from you either. I wish you the best of luck. Click. I played it off, acted happy. I was, but I was so fucking scared. We waited to tell our families, and everyone was really overjoyed. We recorded all of their reactions, and it was really sweet. I applied for the transition program to, from LPN to RN and was accepted only to go back to school shortly after I would have the baby. We chose not to find out the gender. We went with a boy name and a girl name. I had a fantastic pregnancy. My heartburn was terrible. And I did deal with like sciatic pain, but I felt great. I gained minimal weight and I had carried my baby for 40 plus weeks. I agreed to schedule induction post dates if I hadn't gone into labor on my own. So I was scheduled for induction at 40 and 5, started with Cervidil, later switched to Pitocin and AROM. I had an amazing night shift nurse, Katina, who we both bonded really well with. She flipped me all over that freaking peanut ball, left and right every hour overnight. God bless her soul. It was approaching 6 p.m. the next day, and my labor progress was only at a seven, seven and a half centimeters. This hadn't changed from the wee hours of the morning despite adequate contractions. My provider had the discussion with me regarding doing a C-section or continuing to labor. I know he wanted to have a C-section to just be done, and I didn't want to, and that's not how I planned my birth at all. When my doctor explained that this could be become urgent at any point, should I spike a fever or the fetal heart rate strip not look good. I was exhausted and done and they got the OR ready. I was laying on the operating table and my nurse from the previous night came in and said, "Oh, that baby is going to have your lashes." And I was bawling just to see her face. Um it was so comforting when I was so nervous. As the surgery was happening, I remember asking what he thought the baby was, was, and he jokingly said, I think it's a little too late for that to matter. I of course yelled out, I think it's a girl. And when my doctor pulled the baby out, she screamed, Oh, he's so juicy. And I remember being so overwhelmed with emotions and thinking, Oh my God, a boy, I wanted a boy so bad, but have the worst luck and never thought I would ever have a boy like I wanted. So on April 26th, 2018 at 6 15 PM, i came i became a mommy to the most handsome boy conrad lewis almost all of our family was waiting in the lobby for an answer on what we had had and everyone was so overjoyed and happy when my grandpa came into the recovery room with his wife and we shared his name he started crying and said that was a really good name <laughs> lewis is after my grandpa he shared his middle name and that really touched my heart My dad was in the waiting room and he also cried when he met Conrad. There's just something that's so precious about seeing your parents love the person that you created. My mom, of course, was head over heels in love with him. As soon as she saw him and was the first one back up to the hospital the next day, the exhaustion after laboring for 36 hours and having a C-section was so terrible. Where I delivered the encouragement, encouraged rooming in which I believe is a great thing but I also know I was so tired he latched right on in recovery and then became spitty per usual c-section baby Connor had a pretty bald head and a little tiny strawberry blonde patch at the nape of his neck my heart didn't grow three sizes that day but the pit in my stomach did I didn't think about having to deal with the emotions of looking at him every day knowing who his biological dad was Breastfeeding was hard and nipples crack, FYI, like chaplets. lips. I struggled with getting him to latch. I had a really great postpartum nurse on night shift, Quatisha. At first, I was like, I don't really know if we are vibing or not. And she had come in to help me get him latched and grab my breast and his head and latched him on for me. I remember thinking to myself, I should probably like pull out the mama bear card on you right now. But she was so helpful. She said, you have to teach him what to do too. Everyone is learning. I was so thankful for her and honestly give her praise for why we were so successful at breastfeeding. We were discharged home at a normal time and the C-section recovery was hard. Everything hurt. I remember laughing so hard in the hospital because we had some funny family visit and I freaking paid for that later. You feel like everything is going to fall out the first time you stand up and this and there's this like numb band around your belly segment. Postpartum is so weird, man. I slept on the couch because stairs were forbidden after just having been cut open. I slept with Conrad on my chest because he did not like any of the 12 seats that he had, not even temporarily. I was mom. I was home. I was the pacifier. I was instructed not to give him a passy. I now disagree with this thought and would have paid my child to take a pacifier. I know, not safe, ABCs of sleeping, people. But I had to do what I had to do to get some freaking sleep. The first night home, I wanted to handle everything myself since he would be going back to work. He was up from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. I fed him on each side, changed his diaper, and rocked. Swaddled, snuggled, patted his butt in countless rotations, and he just cried. And he cried, which made me cry. I remember finally crawling up the stairs at 4.15, fucking desperate to get this kid to stop crying. And he came down, snuggled him for five minutes, boom asleep. I cried myself to sleep on the couch. (laughs) I was uncomfortable. I smelled horrible and I couldn't even make my baby stop crying. I dreaded nights from that moment on. One of the mornings I called lactation support because he was still clustering and my milk hadn't come in yet. And I remember crying on the phone. They were trying to be helpful, but I was just a mess. I never bought an ounce of formula because my mom breastfed. I didn't want to pay for formula and I was very headstrong on that. Day five when my milk finally came in, Conrad never napped for more than 20-minute periods. I lived my days sunk into the couch covered in breast milk and baby poop with a newborn attached to my tit in between periods of hormonal shits, running to and from the toilet while he was breastfeeding. Talk about mad skill, man. Like, I was a freaking professional. I wasn't bonding well with my baby, and my life around me had just begun to feel like I was in a cloud. My postpartum appointment, I was dreading at six weeks because he would just cry. When I tell you those nurses in the office held him the whole appointment and he was as good as gold, I mean it. When Dr. Harris came in to check on me, I just bawled. I cried and I cried and I wanted my life back pre-baby and I felt so guilty and so wrong saying it. I didn't bond with him and I know it's because I was carrying a heavy burden. She hugged me and reassured me that I had a beautiful baby boy and wanted to offer medication to help me enjoy being a mommy because I should be able to enjoy being a mom. That's what she said. <laughs> Dr. Harris saved my life. And Zoloff saved my life. I never once thought of harming myself or harming my baby. But multiple times I thought that he would have, have a much better life with another family. Another mom could do better. Tension at our house was at an all-time high while I was processing all of these life changes. I was headed back to school when he was six weeks old and my life had completely flipped upside down. But not my boyfriend's. His did not change. Golf league on Tuesdays. Pool league on Thursdays. Left the house freely whenever he wanted to. I carried a lot of resentment towards him because I didn't get to just do those things anymore. I know I wasn't showing him the physical attention that he wanted, and I didn't care. His drinking got out of hand, and when he would come home drunk, he would make terrible comments about me needing a job or how I was a bitch or most of the time when Conrad was asleep right beside me or nursing. When I was pregnant, I dropped down to PRN but worked full-time hours until Connor was born. I was able to save up enough money to um, cover my maternity leave and my bills for a while. It was probably five months postpartum. Uh, another one of my closest friends, my sister, as I call her, Danny and I were talking about starting a business. She had been making tumblers and I decided to give my go at t-shirts. And we rooted each other on always, but didn't go into business together at that time. We signed up for some craft shows, and we shared a booth, and things continued on as normal. I could always count on him to do bath time, so that was when I got a break. I would be irate and try to protect Conrad from him when he'd get home and try to act normal, but would start slurring his words. Don't poke the bear was the threat I got frequently. I'm not sure exactly what caused him to reach out to my friend when I was at work one day in February before Conrad turned one, but he did, asking if Conrad was his. I'm sure she was put under a lot of pressure, but she should have never spoke about it. And he, of course, was blowing up my phone. When I came home, Conrad was not there, only my boyfriend. He informed me that his sister had come over and swabbed my baby on the living room floor for a DNA test. Told me that Conrad was at my mom's house and he had already told my mom and my grandpa and his wife that Conrad wasn't his child. I explained what happened, apologized, nothing ever came out sooner, and expressed it was probably for fear that I didn't want to do it alone. Looking back now, I should have just done it alone and figured it out. I, of course, said, if this isn't, you know, what you want anymore, that's fine. But if you want to continue this relationship, I understand that also. Uh, Packed a small bag, gave him his space and went to stay with my mom. We spoke about Conrad and he asked to see him every day, but ultimately didn't touch on the subject of us or our relationship for like a week. He made the decision to work on our family. This next part is what I will never understand. His family stopped communicating with him then after they said, we will support whatever choice you make. That was in February. And when I tell you, I got some nasty texts from his family and I mean, freaking nasty. Like I still have screenshots to this day because I will always, always, always carry that black card in my pocket. Um, he will know and you will pay. Uh, you let us love him knowing he wasn't ours. um, I, that's all I'm going to say on that situation. Like, just remember that if you send a text, there obviously is always a record of it. So, yes, yes. Just remember that, please. Um, So, Conrad turned one in April and we continued growing as a family together. In between February and Thanksgiving, there were a few arguments that ended in my going to stay at my mom's because he had brought up my um, being unfaithful like with every argument and I told him I wasn't going to pay for my decision every day. I encouraged him to go to counseling when he made the decision to stay in the relationship. This never happened. There was never any, um, any self-driven motivation to improve or change anything that was happening. Uh, These arguments usually happened after we would go on a date and come home. So there was of course some drinking involved I can always tell when he's had too much to drink and then I is going to go differently because he gets this look in his eyes of almost pure disgust and it just carries so much hate for everyone. It's like nobody can say anything right at that point and the fun is over. Very confrontational. So when Thanksgiving that year came around, he had reached out to his parents and they wanted to sit down with us. I told him I would go and I would talk to them, but I would not apologize for keeping my baby and I wasn't going to sit up or sit in front of them and sign up for a firing line. Uh, When we sat down, they spoke about a few things and the conversation kind of turned into um, like Reverse to the family name and like how things like this didn't happen, uh, in their generation. It kind of was just like, I don't, I don't even really know how to explain it. Like, I feel like even now he would still not side with me, but he was like, he kind of just spoke up and was like, So, this isn't like really what we wanted to come over here and talk about, or like what we had, you know, signed up to come over here and talk about. Um, so like we're going to go and he was like, do you have anything to say like before we leave Savannah and I obviously, you know, was confused and uh, you know, I basically like spoke directly to his dad and I remember saying like I, you know, understand that you are from a different time and that things shouldn't work a certain way. But when you are when you married your wife, like, didn't you take those kids on as your own? I said, I get it. Like, it's an entirely different situation. But did you? Yes. Then why can your son not do the same? I said, I get it. Like, I messed up and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry it took so long to boil to the top. But what I'm not sorry for is keeping my baby. I said, but uh, do you think that, Like, that was fair to your son. I said, he made a decision to raise someone else's child as his own and step up and you left him in the ditch. Like, he wins. Your son wins every time. Like, he is the winner here. He is the good guy. I said, I know I will always be the bad guy. And his dad was kind of just speechless. Like, where was his support from his family? And that was not fair to him. So we left knowing that we were invited to Thanksgiving and to Christmas. And when I tell you those holidays were quiet, like super quiet and I mean dead silent they were. At the time I was about to finish up nursing school, I was working at a staffing agency making really great money and I began applying for jobs in OB pursuing my dream. I had a few interviews and ultimately accepted a position at Team Green for those of you around here and I would train for six months minimum in labor and delivery and postpartum and then move to a smaller community hospital that would be my home. This was in the fall of 2019. I was able to work alongside some of the nurses that took really great care of me when I was having Conrad. They are what sealed the deal for me and how I knew I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Juggling school with a newborn at home was hard, uh, but he didn't remember any of it. He doesn't remember me going back to school. He doesn't remember mommy staying up really late. Mommy remembers, but he does not. I remember in my women's and children's um, rotation on the last day, I was able to see two vaginal deliveries within 20 minutes of each other. And one of them being with my very own doctor. It was at that moment I knew I was in the right place. I cried watching those deliveries just as I cried holding the hands of the elderly that passed away when they took their very last breath. I feel like at that point in my life, things with my relationship just kind of laid low. They were all right, uneventful. We always kind of just live separate lives. I would take Connor to the birthday parties we got invited to and he would play golf and nap at his scheduled time every day. Uh, We hardly ever did anything as a family. Uh, At the end of 2019, he actually um, had gotten arrested for drinking and driving and did stop drinking for the time period that he was on probation. He works in the RV industry and things slowed down when COVID hit and he was unemployed. I was, of course, considered essential and still working. So I told myself I would never make anyone feel as small as he did, Uh, made me even though I was working and supporting myself when I was on maternity leave with Conrad. So I would listen to him talk about getting a job without saying anything. There was one bad fight in the summer of 2020 that ended in a punch dryer and a screaming battle in front of my family being called a fucking bitch. And I remember my little sister yelled back at him. Bless her heart. Again, the situation was brought up and I told him that at the previous, or I told him at the previous argument that we had had, if he said it one more time that I would leave. I started packing my shit the next morning, made some phone calls to figure out how to sell the house, and he came home and saw boxes and asked me to stop. That he was sorry, and I stayed. I should have left that day. He was still unemployed at this point and collecting a pretty decent unemployment check due to COVID, but I knew eventually that that would end. I honestly do think that he was depressed, and when I started asking about his work plan, every discussion would turn into an argument. With each argument, I shut down a little more and started to resent him. I got to the point where I didn't care. I'd ask and lose my mind because what difference did it make? He had already made me out to be the bad guy with the whole Conrad situation, and I felt like I just had to take it because I owed it to him. He did start working for a bit towards the end of 2021 and became unemployed again due to material shortages and then started working again for a local company in the spring or summer here, I believe. There have been so many changes that I really can't keep track. At one point, he did some side work with a family member for moving jobs, and this is where a lot of the damage was done to our relationship. I was asking for the bare minimum, him to get a job, and he didn't. And I felt like when he finally got a job, he just expected me to be thrilled and love love him all over again, like the very beginning. The truth is I started shutting down in 2020. I really have kind of struggled with where I wanted to go with this episode or I guess how far in depth I really wanted to go. Um, this episode was a lot for me to record. And a lot for me to think about as far as, you know, Conrad someday maybe <laughs> coming across this podcast and listening to the recollection and the story of, you know, him and he hit me and the person that he, you know, has always called his dad. So I wanted to do it as tech and as tastefully as I possibly could. So this last portion right here has been unscripted and I, I, this is, this is it. Like this is shit on a platter. Like this is most people probably, I don't know, have no idea. And that's not really true because I know that like there were times where he had gone out and people had said, "Oh, well like he's don't you know, like he's not even your son." Well, that's just like really fucking shitty of you to say. Like first of all, like for one, it's none of your business, and two, like why do you even feel the need to like bring bad news onto people? You know, like what if what if he honestly didn't? Like why do you feel like that was your place to say anything to him regarding his son? Um I guess moving forward in my life and future relationships, I, how do I say that? I know that honesty, obviously, and transparency is extremely important when it comes to that whole entire situation. Um, because it that's you can't change it, like that's what happened, that's how it went. That's you know, this is the current, this is the most recent, di- you know, information on it, whatever. But I just think that it doesn't matter, blood doesn't always make you family. So, I think. I'm going to leave it on that note. (laughs) I'm not really sure what the next episode will cover. I probably will toss around maybe a couple of different ideas and kind of choose whatever avenue I want to go on from there, I guess. Um, I'm hoping that when certain people listen to this episode, they don't... Take it with anger, especially about, you know, certain situations that I described happening between me and uh, my last relationship because it it is what it is. So that's my recollection of it. Like I said, if there's anything that they feel that needs to be disputed, we can talk about it. So that is all for now. As always, (laughs) thank you for listening and enjoying or partaking in my raw, real, loving shit show life with me. Make sure that you like, follow, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. There are um, a couple of questions or like a generic question at the end of this like page on here, um, or a rating. Um, can you guys like rate or maybe leave a comment on there? If you're going to send me a message, I love that. Like I want to review some of those, or like I said, if you have any questions and you send me a message, don't hesitate to reach out. So I actually, Side note, I will probably start talking about my therapy journey in the next episode because I feel like I didn't, I didn't even touch on that. So yeah, I'll lead with that on the next episode. So, all right, guys have a very Merry Christmas and enjoy all of the family time. My goal is to hopefully get an episode out this week. However, it may not happen because Connor doesn't have school. So I will have a little around all the time and it may be a little crazy around here. So thank you guys. Bye.